Dennis Gertler, good morning. Good morning, Jay. How are you? I'm well. Every Monday morning, we start um, our week with an Ask the Experts uh, with our team, with the team at Can Delta. So we are glad you are here today. Um, and uh, you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Good, because I know people look forward to when you come on. Um, what do you? What are we talking about today? Because you guys have been uh, receiving inbound questions. What are we talking about today? Today, Jay, we're talking about promotional inducements. Um, it's amazing I, like the amount of questions and times this has come up over the last few weeks. Um, not really surprising because, you know, as more and more stores open, uh, retailers are, are asking, well, how do I drive people to my store, right? And so, you know, inevitably the subject of inducements comes up. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it comes up when people ask me questions. So I can only imagine people who actually know what they're talking about get asked this all the time. So, so it's a hot topic, we know that. And so what, what should we be understanding about this? Because I think uh, there is, maybe, maybe I'm just reading too much into the fact that there's ambiguity, but, but tell, set us straight or not. Okay, well, it's not super easy because actually I had a robust debate with a couple of my colleagues at CanDelta I spoke to a couple of cannabis lawyers I know. I wouldn't say everybody totally agreed on every point, right? So these are interpretations. And I think what makes it even more uh, challenging is that every situation is completely different, right? In terms of the fit of the regs and the, and the rules to the circumstance. Um, and we saw this big time when I was implementing the Smoke-Free Ontario Act, patios at the time um, municipalities would, could allow smoking on a patio, but it had to fit the precise regulation. And there must be 20,000 different patio configurations out there. So even though the, the regs look straightforward, when you start to apply them to a situation, that's when it becomes challenging. Yeah, so it's confusing for retailers to, to know what they can do within the rules and perhaps asking like, maybe this isn't the way they should be asking it, but like how close can the to the line can they go, I guess? Yeah, well, so, you know, I counsel people, um, try and have a, um, a broader outlook that considers, you know, the, the legislation and all its aspects, right? Not, the goal shouldn't necessarily be to skirt the line. <laughs> but even so, even if you're trying to play it safe, it can be challenging. However, I, I, I start with um, a recognition that there are actually uh, federal and provincial rules on this. They're not totally different, but they're not totally the same either. Obviously, the province has to fit in within the overall federal framework, but the province is in charge of the retail framework and has been given that power by the federal government. And so uh, the inspectors who you're likely to deal with, the agency you're going to be dealing with is mostly going to be the AGCO. So, and there are slight differences between Health Canada and the AGCO. Oh yeah, well, uh, that's probably where a lot of the ambiguity comes in. Like, how, how are, I guess, how are they the same? How are they different? And, and how well, do you think about them? You know, Health Canada is about health. I mean, it sounds like a truism, but that's their mandate, right? And that was the decision of the federal government to entrust that uh, with a, a health agency. The AGCO actually, on the other hand, is concerned about health and harm reduction, but also about the welfare of the uh, the business sectors that are under their charge. So, uh, and they, you know, we used to balance both, uh, used to think of the public interest in terms of both the health aspect and the business aspect. So finding that balance is, is sometimes difficult, but 
uh, it's top of mind at the, in that particular agency. And I think you can see that if you look at the, at the actual, it's really important to go back to, um, to what the rules say. So I'm, if you'll indulge me, I'm just going to read a little bit about um, the Cannabis Act where it talks specifically about inducements in 24.1. And there are three elements actually, which I think are really important. One talks about monetary considerations. The second about the right to participate in some kind of a scheme that uh, could be uh, interpreted as an inducement. And the third is talking about any service, right? And I find that people often fixate on the money part, right? So the first one will say uh, to provide or offer to provide um, cannabis or cannabis, cannabis accessory um, without monetary consideration or in consideration of the purchase of anything or service uh, or the provision of any service. So uh, it's prohibited for a person who's, that sells a cannabis, cannabis or a cannabis accessory to do that, right? You can't offer money <laughs> or you can't, you know, incense somebody with money, that's a clear no-no, or infer that you're going to, or offer. Um, it's also prohibited for a person that sells cannabis um, to, to provide or offer anything that is not cannabis or a cannabis accessory, including the right to participate in a game, draw, lottery, or contest. Okay, so again, these are common promotional tools, um, and so it's calling it out pretty directly here, I think. And then the third aspect with any service is really anything that's left over. You, you know, it's not, you're prohibited to provide any service, right? If it is pro, uh, provided or offered to be provided as an inducement for the purchase of cannabis or a cannabis accessory. So those three elements, right, are important to keep in mind. Now let's shift over to the, to the provincial government. Yeah. And here uh, people may know that the, the register standards for uh, cannabis retail are really the primary document used by the inspectors there. And it, theirs is a little more straightforward. Um, and I, I think it's, it's actually something to really keep in mind. It says licensees may not provide uh, cannabis or cannabis accessories free of charge or provide any other thing or benefit as an inducement for the purchase of cannabis or cannabis accessory. So the simplicity of this is that, you know, you can't use money, but you can't provide any other benefit or thing either. So even if it has nothing to do with money, and um, often I'll find when I'm debating with somebody, they'll conveniently forget that aspect, right? Uh, and, then, and then I guess the third thing, which I should have mentioned right up front, is that it's really important to understand what the heck is an inducement, right? And it's pretty straightforward. I, you know, I went through about five dictionaries and I, and I did some online uh, uh, checking you know, with the business literature. And as, in its essence, it's a thing, uh, benefit or incentive that persuades or influences somebody to do something or act in a desired way. And in business, a desired way is to buy something, right? <laughs> so let, let me ask you a question. Uh, so luckily, uh, not luckily, for the purposes of this conversation, luckily, they can't do it anymore. But if I was a retailer when you could do delivery, for example, uh -huh. right? If I offered free delivery, is that, and I talked about it as a free delivery. Sure, could, I, I think it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, it, it sounds a bit risky to me. It, it, yeah, it, it's for sure. It's like, uh, oh, my, your competitor is, you know, make me put on my galoshes in the middle of February to, 
you know, truck out to my store and I'll, and I'll bring it to your door. I, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's a service, right? Health Canada talks about any service. Yeah. So I think it would be covered by that. But um, I wanted to use a, an example that I thought was pretty cool that really um, shows you how tricky it can be, but also how you might think about it. And I, well, I, I even, like to, even at this point so far, I think there's probably retailers who are watching me like, where does that leave me? Like, give me an example at least that I can work. Okay, with. I'm gonna I'm gonna confuse them even more. Then, oh, uh, hopefully, I'm gonna clarify things a bit. Okay. So, um, I have to give uh, credit to my colleague Sean Postel at Can Delta for this example. Um, and there are three or four statements um, I'm gonna make, and they're they actually have similarities, although they sound completely different. Right. So, first proposition is, you know, buy two get one free. Okay, now, what do you think? Does that sound like an inducement? It sounds like an inducement to me, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, right? You're offering, you know, there's a monetary consideration. You're getting something for nothing, right? And, and one, of the, one of the concepts in, in the business literature around inducements is, and everybody mentions it, although it's nowhere in the legislation, is that um, there's a sense of um, um, compelling action or sense of, of urgency or accelerating the sale. And even if it isn't said, I think the human brain, you've heard this so many times before, you're thinking, oh, I better get down there before they're all gone. Two for one, you know, for the get, buy two, get one free. That's pretty compelling. Now, so, you know, if it, unpacking that a little bit, that could be two one gram packages for the price of three one gram packages. A second uh, statement might be three packages for the price of two packages. Okay, so it's still pretty compelling, but maybe not quite as, you know, uh, uh, much of a call to action. So three one gram packages for the price of two one gram packages. We're starting to veer toward price cost. And the third comment would be three gram packages at the cost of two one gram packages. So that sounds pretty dry. You might even say three grams for X price. Right. And, you know, to take it to its conclusion and all and it's just a price statement. Right. So, in fact, the cannabis in question in all four of these statements is the identical price. Right. Right. But one is, you know, skirting pretty close to the line, if not clearly over it as an inducement. And the others, particularly the last two, I don't think you could argue that they're inducements in any form. So it, it just shows you, um, you know, how you present it and uh, makes a huge difference. It does. Um, it doesn't make it necessarily less confusing on a day-to-day -day basis for your retailer, right? You might want to put a, I don't know, well, get a different question about putting a sign on the door to say today only, but like th that we know would be, I think we'd say was an inducement. So like we could, we could go through um, uh, example after example, I think really all day. Like if you are when, or if, if and when you are advising retailers, like what kind of general considerations do you give to folks as a framework to say, like, here's how to approach this type of thing. So I, you know, this may be counterintuitive, but I would say step back a little bit and try and look at the bigger picture. And what I mean by that is, so think about what is the purpose for this, for, for legalization and for federal and provincial legislation. And so one of the, you know, the key things obviously is to prevent youth from having access to cannabis, to restrict their access. Another is to protect the health and safety of Canadians through various ways, you know, through 
strictly controlling the quality of the product, but through other means as well, right? And, and a third one is, is to, uh, to dampen or to divert uh, sale of cannabis to legal as opposed to illicit markets. Um, that may not be as clearly stated uh, sometimes, but it's clearly a goal. And, uh, and so bearing in mind what I said earlier about the AGCO, obviously promoting the health of the industry is a regulatory objective. So they're not, the inspectors aren't there to shut down your business. They're, that's not why the, you know, they're out there. At the same time, if you're going to you know, no, knowingly uh, skirt the edge of the law you know, and to invite and to be provocative, um, you're inviting that kind of scrutiny on your, on your proposition. So step back, think about the spirit as well as the letter of the law. I know it's hard to balance those two. They sometimes seem contradictory, but um, if you are honestly trying to uh, achieve all of those objectives with the help of a uh, marketing expert and legal expert or, or uh, consulting firms such as ours, um, I think you can hit the right note and, and still sell your cannabis responsibly. That's a good place to end it, I think, but it's also given us a lot to think about, um, given us a lot to think about, but more importantly, given retailers a lot to think about. And, and they know these things because they can read the same documents you've said, but taking the, the, the documents, which they clearly have in a binder at their office, but and turning that into how to actually operate a business is the, is the tricky part. But I think you've given good, good guidelines and good suggestions and good um, really approaches to how to think about it when applied to real world situations. Thank you, Jay. Well, I, well, and now I'm going to go shopping. <laughs> now I'm going to look online and find the best deal worded appropriately. No, I, I'm just kidding. Dennis, it's always good to connect with you uh, because you bring the wealth of experience and you're bringing it now to the Can Delta team and now to the Business of Cannabis audience. So we thank you for uh, spending some time on Monday morning with us. Uh, have a good week and we'll connect with you guys down the road. Thank you for having me, Jay. It's always a pleasure.